Hello and welcome to The Frontline, a podcast from ILGA Europe in Brussels. We represent and work on behalf of over 600 LGBTI activist organizations across Europe and Central Asia. And our podcast aims to bring you to the front lines of queer activism in the region. My name is Anna Shepard and I'm the Partnerships Manager at ILGA Europe. In this, the third and final episode of our mini-series exploring the opportunities and challenges that come with businesses supporting LGBTI equality, we look at how companies can bring about positive change through representation in advertising, meaningful campaigns and partnering with LGBTI organisations. We're looking at this through the lens of one very successful partnership and campaign between Mermaids, a UK organisation helping trans, non-binary and gender diverse children, young people and their families, and the coffee giant Starbucks. With me to talk about the campaign and what it means in terms of opportunities for partnerships between LGBTI organisations and businesses is Susie Green, CEO of Mermaids. Well, hi, Susie, and, and thanks for joining us on the front line. Before we get into the nitty gritty of, of talking about uh, your partnership with Starbucks, could you give our listeners an introduction to the work Mermaids does? Oh, well, that's a lot to introduce them to. But yeah, so um, I'm Susie Green, pronouns she, her. I'm the CEO of Mermaids. Mermaids is a charity that supports trans and gender diverse children, young people, but also we do a lot of work with their families. We also support professionals who are supporting young people as well. So we do this in a variety of different ways. We've got a helpline um, and an email and a web chat service that operates 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. Monday to Friday. And that's for really just alleviating uh, loneliness and isolation, uh, friendship, support, that sort of thing. And we've got a parents forum that's got nearly a thousand parents on it. And we've got a young people's forum that are, that are segregated into age groups. So people can speak to each other who were in the same position and, and can find that sort of solid solidarity and community. We also do local groups that we deliver across the country at the moment. I think it's 13 different locations that we've got. And we're starting to move back from a virtual model back to an in, you know, face-to-face model following some of the restrictions with um, COVID being lifted. We run residential weekends and other events throughout the year for families and young people to come together in a safe space. We also have a legal and policy department. So the legal and policy work is um, around supporting people in the immediacy if they're dealing with prejudice or discrimination. But we're also looking at what we can do to actually change the environment that, that we are seeing here in the UK at the moment. We also deliver training to organizations And we also have sessions once a month for individual professionals who are supporting uh, trans young people. I think that that's sort of overarching our our main work. But I think 50% of the work that we do is supporting people in the here and now. And then the other 50% of that work is is trying to change the world, trying to make the world a, a kinder, safer space for trans and gender diverse kids and their families. The news coming from the UK at the moment uh, with the anti-trans narratives gaining ground is pretty disturbing. How is this affecting the children and young people uh, you work with? Well, we see, obviously, if, if you're living in an environment where you're constantly seeing and referencing things that are on, you know, on social media or on mainstream media that are basically telling you that that you are not valid, that you are not real, or that you're not important, which is what this messaging comes across as. And obviously it has 
it has a deeply disturbing impact on young people. And we're finding that, that there is a lot of distress and anxiety and also that parents are reporting that they're feeling, you know, that they're having conversations with people around the legitimacy of their, their child, you know, who they are being challenged by people who have nothing to do with, with trans kids or don't have a trans kid and have no personal stake or, or, or even experience, but seem to feel that they have the right to an opinion on who somebody is and how they should be. Certainly it's not great. And obviously a lot of the work that we do is providing access to a community so people can feel less alone with all of this. And in this context, how do you see the role of allies in the, the business sector? I think not just allies within the business sector, but allies full stop. You know, you can't just leave it to trans people and their families to be educating and sticking up for trans rights. We need our allies to be mobilizing as well. We need to have our allies talking to the fact that a lot of this stuff that's coming in from external media is very much based around rhetoric that is based on nothing. You know, there is no evidence to suggest the stuff that, that is being said is actually going to happen in real life, but that doesn't stop that scaremongering. So it's around standing up for the rights of trans people, for, for being that person who advocates for um, support and love and welcoming people, whoever they are, um, rather than trying to segregate people and, and try to make them feel less valid than anybody else just because of who they are. And in terms of businesses, obviously, we're seeing some of the work that's being done. And obviously, Starbucks is, is one such campaign, which just highlights the situation that young people are facing in such a, it was such a brilliant way of doing it in a way that just shows the difference, you know, what a difference is made just by using the right name for somebody. Um, and then doing it in a really sort of a really sensitive and respectful manner as well. And I mean, first time I watched that advert, it made me cry, I can tell you. So, you know, we need people to, to, to stand up. It's, it's the same with any kind of prejudice or discrimination. You can't just leave it to the, to the person who's been discriminated against. You need to step up. You're not the only one who uh, was made cry by this advert. <laughs> Very emotional. Uh, so, yeah, you, you already uh, touched upon the, the Starbucks advert. So just to give listeners context, a couple of years ago, Mermaids partnered with, with Starbucks um, on the very trans-inclusive and, and quite emotional campaign what's your name uh, so could you describe a bit more in detail uh, what this campaign was about and, and the, the different elements so we actually found out about it because Starbucks had entered into a competition with Channel 4 regarding making um, a submission an advert etc that was around diversity um, around equity around inclusion around diversity and they led with something that um, obviously, they picked up this storyboard and this idea around just highlighting how important it is to honour and respect somebody's chosen name. And they didn't actually tell us they were putting this forward. But then when they got through to sort of the finals of it, they were like, OK, so now we need to find a, an organisation that we believe that this will be meaningful for. And they'd already had mermaids in mind, but hadn't really approached us because they didn't want to get too far into it and then actually not get anywhere with it. So they contacted us and said, would we come along to a meeting and have a look at that? And that's when they first showed us the storyboards of, you know, sort of how the advert would look and how they presented that to Channel 4 and how they got through into the finals. 
and asked us, you know, if we, if we would if we would partner with them and be the organization that they supported through this, of which we were absolutely delighted to say yes, because we know that Starbucks um, through our due, due, due diligence, sorry, tongue tied on, a, on an afternoon, but, um, you know, we had a good look at Starbucks and their history and, you know, we sort of decided that this would be a really strong campaign, but also was so simple and moving that we were really looking forward to seeing what it looked like in real life as well. Yeah, so you you, you touched upon uh, the, the due diligence uh, process. So partnering with such a big corporate as, as Starbucks is, is likely not a kind of straightforward decision for, for anyone and requires kind of doing that, that research and, and weighing up the risks and opportunities. So could you tell us what your decision-making process looks like? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's fairly simple. You just look at everything that you can find out about the organization across all the channels that you can you can review. Um, so we not only did we look at sort of what was happening in terms of uh, media, we were looking at social media, we looked at the history, we looked at some of the things like Twitter feeds, et cetera, about Starbucks. So we did a lot of research into the background of the organization. And, and what we do is we do like a risk assessment so the risk assessment is based around things that we find out that maybe we're not that happy about, the things that stand um, for that organization, um, and then evaluate, obviously, sort of like the risk as opposed to the benefit and make a decision based on that. You know, there are some things that we won't touch. So things like weapons, manufacturers and, and things like that. So, you know, we, we have some no-go areas in terms of uh, organizations that we will work with. So, for example, if there was a history, perhaps, of ill abuse or whatever in terms of within maybe the last sort of 30 years, maybe an organization has got involved in something that we wouldn't want to be reflected upon us as an organization. So it's all around just doing that work around due diligence, looking into that and that decision to continue with Starbucks after that due diligence and that risk assessment and the benefits etc were pulled together that had to go to our trustee board and our trustee board bearing in mind how much um you know one of the things that we looked at as a risk was a backlash against mermaids and against starbucks by people who weren't supportive of trans people um, and that was one of the things that we had to look into as well so that was one of the things that went into this risk assessment document that was then put in front of the board the board then we we made recommendations so legal and policy put into it, comms put into it, I put into it. We then put, put it in front of the board and then the board made the final decision about whether or not this was something, an endeavor that we wanted to be involved in. And obviously as history uh, attests, that's what we did. So, and we decided that this was a, an opportunity that we didn't want to miss. And was there any uh, backlash or criticism to the campaign? And if so, how did you handle that? We saw some play out on social media. Most of it, to be honest, we, we tended to ignore because it was, again, based on arguments around things that, that had sort of like baseless meaning, et cetera. So, you know, we saw the things that were going on. If we felt that somebody had made a point that we had missed or whatever, but we didn't actually see that. What we saw is just a load of stuff around. Starbucks shouldn't be doing this. Mermaids are transing children. The general narrative that we see in and around our work that aren't based on actually what we do, which is we're a support organization, we're not involved in medical treatment, et cetera. But those were the sorts of things that Starbucks were seeing in terms of like weight on their 
social media threads where people saying you don't want to get involved with this organization and vice versa you know we you know why are we involved with a big corporate etc we didn't actually get any complaints um as such and i don't think starbucks did either it was mainly twitter wars really you mentioned that starbucks had already created the concept when they reached out to you mm-hmm. um so were you happy with uh, how it was at that stage or did you provide any kind of feedback uh on the the narrative or different elements of the campaign yeah so they showed us the story the storyboards that they had used and they were really open and willing to have conversations around any of the stuff that was um in there that maybe we would like to see tweaked or whatever but to be honest the concept was just it was so simple it was beautiful we loved it um that wasn't necessarily anything that we we wanted to to change because to be honest they did such a great job in the first instance and the other thing that they did as well is they did training for their senior management and um wider for for teams etc on trans inclusion so not only did they you know do something in terms of a creative space that was incredibly moving and and apt and and showed something in such a way that like literally it tugged the heartstrings and you could see you know that the the impact on people was immediate in much the same way as you and I both saw it it made us feel really emotional made me cry etc you saw that happening when people watched it and actually something that maybe they hadn't really appreciated before they suddenly got so you know they were open to it but actually we didn't really have much to say about that but what was really great that they were looking to wider education and support for their their teams and their staff members to understand trans inclusion better so that was really positive for us that's very good to hear and thinking about kind of wider public partnering with such a big high street name household name often can help you reach audiences that you normally wouldn't be able to reach as an organization uh was this the case for you absolutely so we had so much feedback across our social media channels and also through people who'd who'd seen it and hadn't even considered this aspect this single aspect of of a person's identity and how important it was to them and 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 they got it suddenly it was it was just delivered in such a way it was so simple but so effective and yeah we got loads of feedback from people saying i've never even considered this before we also had some feedback from our families and our young people that that they saw in their wider environments um greater acceptance so they had family members friends you know colleagues peers etc talking to them around actually i saw that I saw that advert and suddenly it you know it was a light bulb moment for me about how this feels for your child um or my nephew or my niece or you know or or you know for my cousin or whatever my sibling it it was it was such a simple way of getting a, such an important message across and it not only impacted people who'd never considered it before but it also impacted the wider families and sphere of of our trans young people's um families and and friends etc as well And were there any stumbling blocks or lessons learned uh from this partnership that you take forward uh into to possible future partnerships? Um I mean the only stumbling block that we really had and I don't actually know how you would even consider doing anything about it was the fact that covid happened. So sort of midway through so it was only going to be a 3 month campaign and then covid happened. 
So suddenly people weren't visiting coffee shops anymore. So the last few weeks of the actual campaign until it was meant to finish at the end of March was, was really you know, impacted by the epidemic, uh, by the pandemic rather. And I, I just don't think how on earth would you ever forecast that? You know, in terms of our risk register and all the rest of the things that we put into sort of identifying things that could impact the charity moving forward, a pandemic was not on there. So, you know, that was our biggest stumbling block that it sort of brought it all to an end quite with quite a sharp drop off point, you know, as as restrictions came in and everybody was told to stay home and not go out. So I'm not sure what else we could have done about that. I mean, some of the other work around getting contracts right, et cetera, that was helpful for us in terms of a learning curve on how to work with corporate partners. Um, obviously, we've never done anything on this scale before. So it helped us around, okay, so what things would we need to be mindful of and thinking about if we do this again in the future? So always a learning point. We already talked about uh, the risks involved for organizations partnering with, with companies and the kind of uh, risk assessments that we need to do. Obviously, there, there are risks involved for the corporate partners as well in terms of backlash and, and, and criticism from the market. How would you say the situation is at the moment with, the, with all of the, the anti-trans narratives gaining ground in the UK? Um, have you seen a change in companies willing to take a stand and, and support? In fact, no. I, I believe that, that the main organisations that we're involved with are generally it's their LGBT networks that, that sort of raise the fact that they want to be involved with mermaids. So they already have an understanding. They already know what it's like to be LGBT you know, or LGB anti in the world so that understanding is there already so us being a risk as such due to the anti-trans narrative I don't think we've seen much of that we've seen maybe a couple of occasions maybe where an organization has maybe looked at doing training with us where they then come back and gone okay so we looked mermaids up online and have seen some of the horrible articles that have been written about you and can you just reflect back to us maybe your position on this that or the other but not really through corporate partners. I think corporate partners, because of the, the majority of the time we're moving into that space, because we're working through LGBT networks, et cetera, there is an understanding of you know, our ethos and the reason that we need to be here for young people and their families. So I don't think it's knocked it that much. And, um, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully that will continue. You know, we, we don't want to see people being scared away from being supportive of young people to be able to literally just live their authentic lives and be themselves by bad actors, essentially, and a very loud and vocal minority who are twisting facts to try and make a case. Many of our listeners are LGBTI activists and groups across Europe and, and Central Asia. Many are looking to start the, the journey of, um, of working with the private sector uh, and forming partnerships uh, in support of their work. Based on your experience, what would be your advice to those uh, activists um, setting off on this journey? I think a really clear mandate of who you are, what you're doing and why you're doing it. So it's almost like building a case for support. So you need to be really clear about what you're doing and why. You need to be clear about the support that you need and why that you why you were going to those partners. 
and a clear ask. So, you know, be sure that you know what you're asking for rather than going in with sort of like any wishy-washy uh, sort of um, information. You need to gather the evidence. You need to present it in a case that's persuasive and you need to be prepared to ask for what you need. Thank you very much. Is there anything, uh, any final words you'd like to add on Mermaids and, and Starbucks partnership? Just that it was, I felt like it was magical. It just felt like such, it was such a light shining in a really dark world. You know, we are seeing so much prejudice and discrimination against a, a vulnerable minority who really, just like everybody else, just want to be able to get on and live their lives. That literally is it, with respect and in safety and free from prejudice and discrimination. So the fact that such a big brand, such a big corporate got behind that and then produced something that was so impactful for, for us was magical. It was it was that hope that, you know, that things will change because they're, you know, the world is not made up of a population of people who are bigoted and hateful. There is so much love. There is so much um, joy to be had from a young person being allowed to be their authentic self. And that's what we want to that's what we want to focus on the joy that can be brought to somebody's life by just being respected for being them. And that's what we need to be thinking about. We need to try and ignore the negative, go for the positive, because there are so many good things about somebody being supported to be themselves. Thank you very much, Susie, for sharing your story and experience of this successful partnership. It was a pleasure to have you on the front line. Oh, thank you so much for asking me to come along. I feel honoured. Thank you. You have been listening to The Frontline, Ilga Europe's LGBTI activism podcast. To find out more about the work of mermaids or to see the What's Your Name campaign, visit the links in our episode description. And please subscribe, like, comment or share wherever you listen to your podcasts. The more we hear from you, the more activists will gain from our work at ILGA Europe to build a strong and resilient movement for positive change in LGBTI people's lives. Tune in next time when we'll be traveling further on the front lines of LGBTI activism in Europe and Central Asia. Bye for now.